Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Gang, welcome, welcome. We got Marley right here. We're ready to go. We got a great show for you today. The great Marley man's here. I want to thank you all for joining us today. Today is Text the Show Wednesday. If you have some burning questions you want to try to get answered, go ahead and send them in. Text them to me at 949-374-0786. I'll do my very best to try to answer your questions. We'll do everything we can. Marley's all fired up. He's excited. He's got a little snack bowl right above us. He just wanted to start the show off on my lap. He was just sitting right above me looking around. But Marley is our rescue monkey. Those of you that haven't met him yet, this is little Marley. He's the smallest monkey in the world. His name is Marley. He's a marmoset monkey. He's our mascot, your saltwater guide. There he is. If you haven't seen his little face, he's a little cutie pie. And his name's Marley. And he's the smallest monkey in the world. His head is the size of my thumb. No, no, settle down. You're okay. I know, I know. But there he is, everybody. That's Marley, the coolest little dude in the whole wild world. And he is lucky, lucky little boy. Kelly makes him all kinds of good food all day. He eats the very, very best, just like the cats. Gang, if you think Marley's cool, leave us some stars. Let me know what you think. Give us some stars. Help us feed Marley. He's a rescue monkey. We have two rescue cats. Your saltwater guide does everything he can to make sure that everybody's taken care of, especially his animals. So if you have a chance, sprinkle some stars. Sprinkle some uh, diamonds over on uh, TikTok. Hit the subscribe button and the like button on YouTube. But that's our little Marley the monkey man. He's the smallest monkey in the world. There he goes. I'm going to let him go back in his cage and watch the show. He likes to set up above me and watch you guys. But there he is. Look at how little he is. Can't, hard to believe, right? And uh, so Marley gets to go back up here to where your food is. There you go. And uh, here we go, gang. Today is text the show. If you have a burning t question you want to get answered, feel free to Text me and let me know your saltwater guide at 949-374-0786. While we wait for a few questions to come in, gang, I predicted that this uh, whole season would take off on July 15th, and we might be right on the money. We got some phenomenal weather headed our way for the next week. Everything looks good. There's a lot of yellowfin tuna down below the border headed up. There's yellowfin tuna caught on the 43 fathom spot. There's yellowfin tuna caught by the corner. There's bluefin all over between San Clemente Island, Catalina, all the way down to Ensenada. There's bluefin scattered everywhere. There's bluefin in San Francisco. There's bluefin at Half Moon Bay. There's so much happening, so much good stuff going out on the water game. I just think we're in store for one heck of an El Nino, looking at all the different weather forecasts and everything going on and the amount of little spinners we already have down here in Mexico. I think we're in store for one heck 
of a season. So if you are all bummed out because the season hasn't started fast enough for you, I think you need to hang on to your hats. July is starting out to shape up to be one heck of a year. So just stay tuned and let's see what happens. But why we're talking about that, the reason I'm talking about Yellowfin Gang is because uh, they're going to start showing up in mass numbers swimming with the dolphin. I hear so many people say, oh, they're on the porp. They're on the porp. They're on the porpoise. That's a bet you can win very, very quickly and very, very easily. There is a very small, small, small animal called the doll's porpoise that shows up in the wintertime during whale watch season along the Southern California coast. That's the only porpoise that shows up along California Baja, Sea Cortez. Every other mammal that the tuna, and they don't swim with the doll's porpoise. They just don't. That's just the way it is. They just don't. They swim with the, uh, they swim with the dolphins. They swim with the spinner dolphins. They swim with the common dolphins. They swim with the spotted dolphins. They swim with the black dolphins. They do not swim with porpoise. Those big gray animals you see in, in Australia or in uh, Florida, those are bottlenose dolphins. If you've caught, first of all, if you caught a tuna on a porpoise, you better call somebody because I've never caught them on anything but a hook. But if you caught one on a porpoise, you best better call somebody. First of all, you're wrong. You didn't catch it on a porpoise. They don't swim with porpoise. They swim with dolphins. That's why on the can of tuna, it says dolphin safe. That means that the tuna saners didn't kill any dolphins when they were catching them. But they do not swim with porpoise. Gang, so many superstar captains, big time captains, captains that are in the Hall of Fame, call them porpoise. Mike. It blows my mind all the time. That I guess I can call my VW Bug in the in the or my Toyota 4Runner in the driveway. I guess I can call that a Lamborghini. I could. I mean, you guys are calling dolphins porpoise. Even Hall of Fame captains, superstars of the fishing industry call them porpoise. They call them porpoise on the radio. They call them porpoise when they're in a crowd with people. They call them porpoise when they're doing a seminar. My God, gang, let's call them what they are. Let's, let's try to change this thing. Let's try to call them what they are. Let's call them dolphin because that's what they are. They're not porpoise. People go, oh, I just saw a message. What about Flipper? He was a porpoise. Nope, Flipper was a bottlenose dolphin. Spinners in Hawaii, those are dolphin. They're not porpoise. White-sided are dolphin. Rizos are dolphin. Common, dolphin. They're dolphin, gang. They're not porpoise. Please stop using that porpoise thing. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I hear it all the time on the radio. My gosh. I even hear the commercial... Fishermen calling them porpoise. Killer whale is a dolphin. Gang, they're dolphin. Say it. Dolphin. Okay? But here's the thing. Okay, we talked about it enough now. And you're going to call them porpoise tomorrow morning. I know you can't help it. 
it's just the way it is. But they're dolphin. They're dolphin. They're dolphin. One thing about dolphin is dolphin absolutely hate tuna. They hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them with a passion. They hate them. Why do they hate them? Because the dolphin represents brain damage for the, or excuse me, the tuna rep. I'm just seeing if we have any messages. No messages today. That's crazy. Kelly girl wanted to give one of you a t-shirt too. If you send in a message, she was like, I'm going to pick a name out of the hat today. Well, it looks like she doesn't have to give away any t-shirts because no one's sending in any questions. So you don't have to worry about picking the name out of the hat today, Kel. Nobody wants to ask a question. But if you do and you want to win a shirt, 949-374-0786. That's how to get to us. Uh-oh. Somebody. No. Still nobody. So that if you want to win a t-shirt, Kelly's going to give away one t-shirt to one lucky person. And remember, everything we say we give away, we give away. We always are giving away stuff. So check us out. Your saltwater guide. But let's talk about this dolphin porpoise thing. Okay, we already know they're not porpoise. We know they're called dolphin. Okay, we got that. We own it. Not all dolphin have tuna with them. But not all tuna are swimming with the dolphin either. When they get up here on the spots of dolphin and they break off and find some bait or to hook a couple fish off the back of a pot of dolphin, all of a sudden, that group of tuna will stay with you and they quit following the dolphin. Why do the, why do the tuna hate the dolphin so much? Because it represents death. It represents a net being wrapped around them. The dolphin don't understand that when that net gets wrapped around them, they see it with their sonar and they don't know what it is, but they won't even jump over that cork line. You know that, Dan. That cork line is an inch, an inch and a half above the surface of the water. But the dolphin sonar doesn't work above the water. So the first thing they do when they see that net is they get panicked. They start screaming and crying and swimming around all crazy because they don't understand that they could just jump out of that net any second they wanted to. So they hate boats when they have tuna on them. So when you find a pot of dolphins out there that will not settle down and play with the boat, they don't want anything to do with the boat. That's a... Telltale sign right away that they're holding some dolphin. I mean, holding some tuna. That dolphin pod is holding some tuna. If they will not play with the boat, that tells you right away, hey, hey, hey something's up here. Because you remember, those dolphin always want to play with the boat. They can't wait to, to get on the boat. They can't wait to get up next to you and start hanging out with you and playing on the pressure wave coming off the front of the boat, swimming around and stuff. But as soon as that tuna gets on them, they want nothing to do with your boat. It's almost impossible to get on them when they're holding tuna because they represent the sound of our engines as possible boat with a net on it. So they're going to do their very, very best to stay away from you. Once you locate the part of the dolphin pod that has the tuna on them, that's usually where that tuna is going to be the whole time. What happens a lot of times, though, when you're out there and you're trying to, hey, there's some dolphin and I'm just going to go drive, drive around them and see if I can catch it too. Most of the time, you're going to go to where those high-flying dolphin are jumping out of the water. Those guys are the decoys. These are a super intelligent animal. When they, see, when they hear the sound of your engines coming, a couple of them are going to swim off to the side, get away from where the tuna are, and they're going to start high-jumping and 
dragging you over to that area and keeping you away from the pot of the dolphins that have the tuna on them. They do it all the time. I see it day in and day out down here in Mexico when I was running sport boats in California, when I was running yachts in California. We get caught up. I made every mistake possible when we first started fishing those things. That's the yellow fin underneath the dolphin. We would go chase those ones that were jumping high and we'd lose the school that had the, or lose the pot of dolphin that had the tuna on them because we were chasing the high flying jumpers. Yeah, they're decoys and they're doing that on purpose to get you away from their friends because they don't want a net wrapped around their friends or themselves. So they're playing all these games with you, trying to get you away from them, trying to keep you from, from uh, catching a, catching them or their buddies. They don't understand. That's why they hate them so much. They when those tuna get up underneath of them and they get up towards the surface of the water, that's when those thing those dolphins stampede and take off like their little butts are on fire, because. When that tuna comes up to the surface to feed with the dolphins, the dolphins are like, get away from us. And they swim as fast as they can to get away from them. The big misconception is that tuna, dolphin like to eat tuna. They don't. That's not even on their menu. I know once in a great while, you'll get one of them big gray bottlenose dolphin out there that'll try to eat the tuna. But those Tuna aren't swimming with those. Those tuna are swimming with the bottlenose dolphin, the spinner dolphins, the spotted dolphins. And those guys have got those little mouths. They're not eating tuna. They are eating the anchovies, the sardines, or the squid. And the uh, tuna follow them around because they know that that dolphin will find them something to eat. Once some boats get on it, though, everything gets all discombobulated. You got to figure out which part of the dolphin pod has the tune on it. And you have to start to work that and get on it and figure out where it is. Start to understand, hey, that little group over there that's staying down below the surface, barely breaking the surface of the water, that's where they're hanging out at. Why are they hanging out there? Well, the dolphin don't want you to say, oh, now we got a bunch of questions. All we got to do is offer up a t-shirt and here they come. So now we got a lot of questions. So when you locate what part of the pod they're on, how do I do that? With my fish finding apparatus or my sonar, if you have one. On your fish finding apparatus, they're going to look like big streaks on the up and down machine, the up and down fish finder, the pedometer. They're going to look, the dolphin look like big streaks. And then underneath those streaks, are going to be boomerangs. Lots of boomerangs stacked up on top of each other. That's the tuna. Then we once we figure out what part of them they're on, then we're like, okay, I want to fish them with bait. I got to get in front of that pod that's holding the tuna. Or we're going to troll around them. I want to make sure I troll my lures past that. And a lot of times, and you guys will start to understand this as the, as the season starts to unfold, they do it down here in Mexico all the time. If you can drag your kite around with your rubber flying fish underneath of it and go through those pods of those dolphin, you're going to get that bigger yellow fin. It's going to come out from underneath there because remember, the little ones are usually what you're catching. The bigger ones, they hate the boat. They already know their boat represents death. But if you can skip your flying fish through the pod of dolphin without them hearing your engines, going through the middle of the pod, that's when those big ones come out to play and they jump right on your bait. 
your rubber flying fish when you're dragging it or guys use a cedar plug under the kite or they use a feather under the kite. All kinds of things come into play under the kite when you're fishing for the yellowfin tuna. If you want to get away from the little ones and start getting some big ones. All right. Mike Lewis, how come the tuna will take your bait, but the dolphins don't? Aren't they both looking for the same food? Yes, they are, Mike Lewis. But remember, dolphins, smartest animal on the planet, way smarter than you and I ever will be. We don't have, well, we probably do, but we don't know how to get to it. There's so much stuff going on in the human brain that we don't really know. We probably have sonar. We just don't know how to use it because we're lazy humans. But the dolphins have that sonar. It's highly developed. They can, the common dolphin, they can hunt with their sonar and actually the pulse that they put out from their sonar has been recorded to stun the bait. It'll, they hit it so hard with that sonar, it'll stun that bait ball and then they swim through it and eat it. It's crazy. These dolphins are incredibly smart, intelligent animals. They can see your line. They can see the hook. They can see your line on your hook when you're trolling. They can see your line on your bait when you're fishing. That's how highly intelligent these animals are. That's why we don't hook them. Once in a great while, there are dolphins that aren't that sharp. They'll eat a bait. They'll eat a lure. I've hooked them both on bait and on lures. But it's in my 48 years fishing every day for a living, I think we did it three times. Yeah. I'm just going into my computer three times, once on a lure, once on a bait in Laguna, and once on a bait down in Mexico. Those are the only three times I've ever hooked them, and I've fished in a million big pods of dolphins. So that's why they don't eat your bait. It's because they can see the line with their sonar. That's how smart they are. That's how good they are. That's how bitching they are. All right, Brandon. Hey, Captain Dave, what would you tie up and go for if fishing by Crystal Cove from a boat. That's a great one, Brandon. So Brandon, if you're going to Crystal Cove, you're going to check in with Dana Wharf Sport Fishing and you're going to, or Dana Point Bait Barge, you're going to get that anchovies for bait. If you can't get the anchovies, then you're going to strip up some squid. You're going to use very, very thin strips of squid with a number two or number four hook and a very small sinker, maybe a, uh, maybe a small slider or a small split shot, just enough to get that squid to drift down in the water column. Those are the two things that I would do. Anchovies always number one, then small strips of squid. I just want to get a bite, but Brandon, thank you very much. And thank you very much for this. Brandon's the one that makes this something's fishy that makes Marley's cage not smell, that makes it for me to be able to do my shows in Marley's bedroom because monkeys give out the most gnarliest smell. They're constantly marking everything. He marked my shirt when I was holding him a little while ago. And uh, the smell is mind-boggling. If you guys have a smell problem, something fishy is the way to go to get rid of that smell. You can go right over to Right over to his website, Something Fishy. Put in the code YSWG. He's going to let you save 10% on this. But this stuff does it. It makes the room smell good. It makes everything smell much better. And then if you're fishing and you've got fishy smell, this is the stuff. Something Fishy. A couple different flavors. You can't beat it. It's mind-boggling. I'm just seeing what's going on. You didn't want that? I just heard Marty making some noise. I didn't know what he was doing. He's just cleaning himself. All right. 
So hopefully that took care of that, Brandon. And let's see. We got John Rowe, my buddy, my pal. Hey, good job on that yellowtail. And you caught a bunch of fish. Good way to break in the new season, getting out there, fishing, having a good time. Catalina looked like a ball. What should I do with all that fish in my cooler? <laughs> ah, you should eat it. <laughs> I would eat it if I was you, especially that yellowtail. I'd love some nice strips of hamachi dipped in some soy sauce. Oh, 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 that would be so good. I would love that. But John had a great weekend fishing with the family over at Catalina. They had just a phenomenal weekend of fishing. Happy 4th of July. I'm glad you had such a good time, John. Thanks for the pictures. Thanks for the report. Okay, so, hey, Captain Dave, some vertical jig guys rag on people trying to jig on a rail rod. I'm new to bluefin tuna. If we ain't jigging on a night bite on a rail rod, what should we be doing? Well, if you're fishing on the night bite and you didn't leave your name, and I don't see your name on the old questions you sent. So whoever you are, text me your name right now. You know I just read your question. So a lot of guys are going to use that rubber band rig if you're not going to jig for them. They're going to use that rubber band rig. They're going to put on a six or eight ounce torpedo sinker and drop it down with a live bait on it. And if the captain tells you, hey, they're in 120 feet or 200 feet down, you're going to want to make sure your line is marked. And you always want to make sure your line is going straight down, whether you're jigging or whether you're fishing with that bait. And if there's a lot of wind, you need to go to the offside, the side that's not in the wind, cast your line out as far as you can, and then let it start to sink straight down under the boat. Once it gets a big angle on it, you're no longer fishing for bluefin. Now you're just wishing and you're picking your nose and you're eating your boogers. You need to wind it up and drop it back down. But that sinker rig, and you can see how to use the sinker rig over on my website, yoursaltwaterguide.com. You can do it any way you want. There's like 900 videos. You can go search through YouTube and see how all the superstars of fishing do it. Or you can just go to my website and see how I do it. And uh, it, the way I do it works every time super well. Kelly Girl, thanks for leaving that message for Brandon. Something fishy has absolutely changed our life at our house. It's such a good product. We enjoy using it all the time. Robert Lee, thank you very much, Robert. Yeah, so if you're not jigging, you're fishing bait with the sinker rig. Not too often at night do they bite on the surface. There's not a lot of fly line fish on the surface at night. They all seem to stay down deep. So then you're going to be using that sinker rig. And then as the daytime starts to come, and I personally, I don't even like fishing with a jig at night, dropping up anything down two, 300 feet and hooking a 100-pound fish. That just sounds miserable to me. I'll wait until the sun comes out and they're biting the fly line up on the surface. And if they're not doing that, then I have really no desire to even catch them. But that's just me. Maybe I'm just spoiled. But I have no desire to stay up all night vampire fishing for bluefin. Okay. Watching the seminar and your buddy at the same time. Well, thank you very, very much. Thanks. Yep, he's a beauty. All right. Dave Burris. What is Kelly's favorite fish to go and catch and eat? Well, you put it on her fishing rod, Dave. She'd rather catch calico bass than do anything. She's super bored with the fishing down here. 
She has no desire to catch another marlin. She has no desire to catch another tuna. She has no desire to catch another wahoo. She kind of likes that rooster fish fishing thing, but it's not the same as anchoring up on a spot and fly line for a calico bass over and over and over again because she absolutely enjoys the whole art of fishing. She has no desire to pull on a big tuna, no desire to catch a marlin, but she would love to go to a cove in South Laguna or go down to Seal Rocks in San Clemente or go down to uh, the pipe in front of Dana Point Harbor and fly line for calico bass all day, every day, or maybe get a handful of uh, rubber lures from Corey Sandin, MC swim baits. And she likes to throw those once in a while when the fish are biting, when I got a lot of anchovies and I chum them up real well. That's what she loves. That's her favorite thing to do. Calico bass fishing. Hey, Darren. So when you're breezing with the dolphins, what are your favorite lures to troll or best to get in front and throw bait going out tomorrow? So here's what I do. I'm going to go out there. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try to find them without a bunch of boats on them. If I'm already, if I get there late and there's already a bunch of boats on them, chances are not very good to catch anything. Once you got two or three boats on it, Everything goes out the window. You got to get away from them. You got to go find another pot of dolphins. And I know you saw that boat catch a couple. As soon as there's more than two boats on them, they kind of quit fighting. So you got to go find your own. But if you find your own pod of dolphins, I have, I have a video on our website, yoursaltwaterguide.com, that shows you how to fish the inline sinker. And I use a four-ounce torpedo sinker inline. I'm going to tie... My main line coming off of my reel, I'm going to tie this main line right to the sinker. Okay, so this is high visibility line on this Makaira right here. This is going to go to my sinker. Then coming off of the bottom part of the uh, torpedo sinker is my piece of uh, Opsin fluorocarbon. Coming off of here, I'm going to use 50 pound. I'm not going to use anything less than 50 when I'm fishing those tune on the dolphin because it's not line shy and I'm going to get in front of that pod and the minute I get in front of them I put it in neutral and drop my line in the water the exact second if I can get that pod of dolphin to swim over my line I'm going to get bit if they're holding how do I know if they're holding I'm going to drive through them a couple if I'm by myself if I'm there's a bunch of boats there it's over it's nothing good's going to happen. It's hotter than heck in here. It's 112 here today. It's so flipping hot in Cabo. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't mean to complain, but it's just flipping hot. I'm sweating my butt off. But I'm going to locate the tuna on the dolphin first, like we talked about 10 minutes ago. Once I figure out where they are, now my main concern is to get my boat positioned in front of those dolphins, stop and get my line in the water. The minute... The way I do it on my skiff or the way I've done it on many, many, many clients, small boats or big boats or whatever kind of boat, is I make sure everybody's ready before we get there. Have a sardine hooked on your line or an anchovy hooked on your line side to side through its nose. Or I'm going to have a mackerel side hooked side to side through its nose. Whatever I'm going to have, I'm going to have that bait. I'm going to be holding it in my hand with that sinker. I'm going to have my reel in free spool, thumb, thumb on the spool, other hand holding the bait. The minute I take it out of gear, I drop it in the water. It's sliding back behind the boat. Don't cast. 
oh my gosh, I've had this conversation a million times with a million different guys. Don't cast. Drop your line because remember, I'm trying to get the boat on top of them. So the last thing you want to do is cast. They're right under the boat. When I stop, they're under the boat. You drop your line in the water with that torpedo sinker. It drags it straight down underneath the dolphin. All of a sudden, you're going to be dropping it. It's going to be going down slow, and then it's going to take off like it got tied behind a car. That's a fish. Put it in gear. Don't even have to set the hook. I don't care if it's a circle hook or a J hook. Flick it into gear. That tune is going 100 miles an hour one way, and you're setting there. You don't have to set the hook. You put it in gear, and you just slowly lift your rod, your bit, you're hooked up. He's going to take 100 yards of line in a split second, and let's let him take it. Once he takes that line, he's going to zzzz. Then he's going to get tired. He's dragging all that line through the water. He's dragging that four ounce weight through the water. He's dragging all the line plus he's hooked. But here's what happens. You click it in gear. He starts taking the line off your reel. You panic and you shove your thumb on the spool immediately. I got to stop it. I got to stop. Oh, it stops it. It stops it. All right. No more lines coming off your reel. Now you get to wind it in, tie a new sinker on and a new hook because you just broke your line. Gang, if you want them to stop taking the line off your reel, bend your rod. Back in the olden days, they didn't have fishing poles. They had drop lines. And this is why they invented the fishing pole was to stop the fish. Whether you want to believe it or not, I don't really care. I'm just telling you the truth like I tell you every day. Bend the rod if you want to stop the tuna from taking your line. Bend the rod. Bend the rod. Start to bend your back. Start to bend your back. Start to arch your back backwards. Put the reel right here on your chest and bend your, that rod will bend. But here's most people cannot bend the rod. Oh, it's so hard. It's, well, don't go fishing. Don't go tuna fishing. If you don't, and people used to yell at me, oh, you come down here and bend it. I said, if, if I'm coming down there to fish, we're going calico bass fishing. I'm turning the boat. We're going to Clemente. We're bass fishing. I have no desire to catch a tuna. But if you're going to be involved in the act of tuna fishing, bend the gosh darn rod. That's the only way you're going to stop them. Never, ever, 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 ever put your thumb on the spool unless you just got some extra hooks and weights you want to tie on. Because when you click this reel in gear, the line's going to start to peel off. You want it to peel off. If it doesn't, it's going to break. That's called the drag system. They, a guy spent a million dollars inventing the drag system so you didn't have to use your thumb. If you go to the Tuna Club in Avalon, you'll get to see how they used to use a leather strap to slow them down. <sighs> I get so wound up. I love fishing and I'm into fishing and it's kind of my deal and I love to fish. Jumping Jack, how are you, buddy? How often do you change your floral leaders? Do you tie a new one each trip? How else? That's a great question, Jack. And I'm glad you had a good time at Catalina and I'm always there to help you. All you got to do is call me. Check out my website, gang, yoursaltwaterguide.com. You can't believe how much cool information you're going to get over at yoursaltwaterguide.com. We cover everything you need to know fishing in Southern California. And uh, Jack called me up from Catalina and asked me what to do. And I think I kind of helped you. But as far as changing my fluorocarbon leader, the way I go about it is I use it like off of this line right here. I'll tie like 24 inches coming off of here. And then what I'm going to do is every time I catch a fish, I run my finger down the line. If I feel any nicks, I cut it, retie it. And I can get probably five or six reties off of a 24-inch piece of floral. But I never, ever, I can't, 
ever think of a time where I use the same piece of floral all day. I probably retie my floral 15, 20 times a trip at least. And if I'm catching, it's going to be more. But I'm constantly feeling it, making sure that it doesn't have any nicks or any weird spots in it. Because I, in my heart, believe every time I throw my line in the water, I'm going to get a bite. I've heard people go, oh, I'll change it next time. I, I'm probably not even going to get a bite. Why are you throwing your line in the water if you're expecting not to get a bite? That is absolutely the funniest thing I've ever heard of in my life. I used to, when I was running the charter boat up in Dana Point, we'd get out on the boat and guys would go, oh my God, I got bit. My drag wasn't set. I broke it off. I, I wasn't ready. I didn't know it was going to happen that quick. Well, if you're a member of my website, or if you're going fishing and you're paying money to go fishing with me, those two things are going to happen. You've got to expect that when your bait hits the water, you're going to get a bite. For gosh sakes, you better be ready. Your drag better be set. Your hooks better be tied. Your line better be perfect because you're throwing your line in the water, Jack. So I check it every single time. I don't care if I caught a calico bass, a sheephead, a white sea bass, a yellowtail, or a tuna. I'm going to check the knot. I'm going to run my fingers down the line and see if there's any bad spots, any kinks, any twists, any frays, and I'm going to retie immediately. So hopefully that answered that question. What is your... Okay, I don't know who this is. You're a member. Great, but you still didn't give me your number. I don't see it anywhere. It says, what's your favorite part of doing your show? Just want to say that you two are amazing. And Marley, too. My favorite part of doing this show is, gang, I started this three years ago when that whole craziness was going on. We can't say the word because we'll get banned. But while that whole craziness was going on in the world, I personally love to talk. I don't know if you noticed that watching my shows. But I was doing about 50 live seminars in California a year. And then all of a sudden, we were doing absolutely nothing. And... uh I started watching that show Tiger King and I saw Carol Baskin was doing a live tiger talk. She doesn't even know what she's talking about. And she had hundreds of people watching her every day. And I was like, oh my gosh, if she can do that, can you imagine? So that's why I started doing that. And I think the number one thing that I like most about it is after the show, when someone signs up for the website because they're tired of sucking at fishing and they sign up and they leave their phone number and the moment that they put it up there, I call them. That's probably the, besides being Kelly's husband and hanging out with Marley, there he is, little Marley, hanging out with all our pets and being Kelly girl's husband, blowing my members' mind when I actually call them after they've watched us on all these different podcasts and they've seen all my thousands of videos I post a month, to actually talk to them on the phone and how appreciative they are of everything, that's what does it for me. Because I got all this knowledge. I, got, I had the opportunity to start fishing when I was a little boy with my father, who was absolutely a legend in the industry. And uh, I was blessed to start in this industry back in uh, for fit, making money doing it in 74. I know I haven't been doing it as long as most of you. I'm kind of new. But to have all that knowledge and all that experience and then to not share it, I don't think that's fair. I think it's important.
for us to give back and share. And I've been blessed to do what I got, what I have been able to do for so long that I just love giving back. And I love seeing the reaction on the people's faces. And when we were up at the Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show, that was so fun seeing all the children that watch me all the time. Because I promise you, if you haven't watched me and you always think, oh, Dave cusses all the time. I don't cuss ever. I don't cuss on my shows and I don't cuss on my videos ever because I have so many children watching all the time. And it's nothing more fun than being at a show and having kids walk up and say, so good to meet you, Captain David. So nice to meet you. And the parents telling me how nice it is to have someone who doesn't have an F-bomb coming out of their mouth every other word and not dripping sarcasm. Or I drip sarcasm. That's me. But not having naughty words come out of your mouth all day, every day. And, and the people that are doing seminars and the people that are talking to your children don't understand how important it is to not cuss. I just... Those are the things that drive me and make me want to do this every day. And really at our house, Kelly Girl and I, our whole day, every part of our day revolves around the show. 12 o'clock means so much. We know nothing else matters but 12 o'clock. Once we do the show, then we can go do our life. We can go to the beach. We can go to take Marley to get a pedicure. We can go do all the fun stuff that we do. But the show matters so much and we make sure that we don't let you all down because I know a lot of you are watching when you're at that job thing. The last thing I want to do is let you down. This kind of gets a lot of people through their job. So that's why I really enjoy the show. All right. Captain Dave, Dan, Kim and Dan. Hi guys. Captain Dave, if you have frozen grunion for bait, can they write? I now I don't know if you can have frozen grunion in your freezer when it's not the season. That probably not because of the way the state of California is. I know you can't have lobsters in your freezer. You can't have lobsters in your freezer during the off season. I know that the fish markets can't sell them off season, even though they caught them during the season, they can't sell them in the fish market off season. I know it's weird. doesn't make any sense because they can get them from anywhere, but you can't sell spiny lobsters in the off season. You can't have them in your freezer. And I don't know how the grunion thing would work, but I guarantee you it's never going to work in our favor, Kim and Dan. That's for sure. And can I have more than 50 on my boat as bait? Nope. That is a definite no. That is, well, if Kim's with you, she can have 50. And Dan can, if Dan's with you, Kim, Dan can have 50. So you could have 100. But here's the deal. When I was fishing 100 at a night, we would always have 40 or 50 left over. Because every one of those baits is a bite. That's the crazy thing. It's not live bait. You're not burning through it. I've rehooked that bait five or six times and caught five or six bass on it. Those baits are super durable. The grunion are a really durable bait. You can get away. Take a bag for you. Take a bag for Dan. And then uh, keep one in the ice chest, the other one out on the bait tank. Every time you move to go to another spot, put the ones that are on the bait tank back in the, in the ice chest so they don't get rotten or get all stinky. And then I've refroze them five, six different times, and they work just fine. So, yeah, probably not good to have more than 50 per person on your boat. And as far as off-season goes, 
that's going to be a judgment call by you, but I, I'm sure it's John Stanley. Are you guys going to be here tomorrow? If you guys are going to be here tomorrow, let's have lunch. Let's have a late lunch or let's have an early lunch or whatever. You guys are going to be here. I'll pick you up in the car. We'll go cruise around. I'll show you some cool beaches and stuff. We'll grab a snack. Let me know. If you get one lure to troll for tuna out of San Diego, what lure do you use? Well, I always have to have a cedar plug in the mix. Always have to have a cedar plug. Always, always, always have to have a cedar plug. And the bait. I always have to have a cedar plug in the mix and a green and black. Zookers, those small zooker lures about that big, green and black. If you ever, you see the green and black, once you see it, it's an insane zooker lure. Green and black with a green head. And I don't have a picture of it and I don't know why because that's my go-to trolling lure. And the cedar plug, I always have to have a cedar plug behind the boat. I like the, the mini cedar plugs too, but both wood color. I know they sell purple, red, pink, green, and that's mostly to catch people. The wood color seems to be the very best. It works flawless. It works really good. I'm going to have that back there behind the boat. And then Mike Lewis, we did finally get that video. I'm sorry it's taken so long, and Justin sent it to me. They're catching jack smell at the dock using bread for bait in the net, and I got that, and I'm going to post the video soon. Are they going to work as good as – the grunion, no. Nothing works as good as the grunion. They are the bestest of best baits. They're not a jack smelt. They're not a sardine. They're not a mackerel. They are a grunion. The way you can tell those jack smelt you're catching at the dock when you put those on your deck, jack smelt lays on his side. Grunion lays on his belly. They almost look exactly the same when you hold them in your hand, a grunion and a jack smelt. But the jack smelt has those little yellowish gill plate markings where the grunion doesn't. But when you lay it on the deck, when it's alive, the grunion will lay on his belly and the, and the schmel will lay on his side. That's just one way to tell you. And uh, John Stan, let me know if you're going to be here. Okay, Captain Dave. I have a Lawrence fish finder and it's not showing the boomerang shapes. What am I doing wrong? All right. First thing, you're probably running it on auto and you're not running it on manual and it's probably looking for the bottom out there in 3,000 feet of water. That's not going to work. You want to take your range and make it 100, or excuse me, zero on the top and 150 feet. That's as big as you want your screen to be. Your screen's probably really small anyway. But the biggest problem I see most people doing is they're running around with their fish finder on automatic instead of manual as far as the range goes. And then you're going to lose all definition of all fish. The next thing you want to make sure you do is all of you, everybody, you want to make sure that your fish finder is tuned in at the dock in the harbor where you can see the bottom. Cruise around in the harbor and start to understand what hard bottom and soft bottom look like. Tune that fish finder up so that it's seeing what the hard bottom and the soft bottom look like. And I have a whole video series on that on the website, yoursaltwaterguide.com. But if you can distinguish what the hard bottom is from the soft bottom, then once you have it tuned in, you got to stop touching buttons, except for the range is the only button you're going to touch after that. And it's going to stay tuned in when you go offshore onshore. The biggest problem I see people do 
when they get offshore, they start twisting buttons. If you came into my wheelhouse and turned the knobs on there, I would have a heart attack. But my good buddy Steve Lasley taught me a long time ago, once you get it tuned in the way you like it, take pictures as fast as you can, Dave. Take the pictures of where the gain is. Take the pictures of where the clutter is. Take the pictures of where where the uh, all the different settings on your fish finder are so that when it's tuned in to see in the bottom in the harbor or just offshore 30, 40 feet of water, that when somebody, some bugger eater comes up into your wheelhouse, Starts to starts to sorry Marty, I just thought you were falling. Starts to turn your knobs. They don't mess up your thing because you can go back to your phone and look at the settings and go, oh, oh you didn't touch anything, huh? Okay, well, this isn't how I run mine. But once you're offshore and the bottom's three thousand feet deep, you cannot tune up your pedometer. I don't care. And I know your sister's brother's aunt's cousin that sells photometers for a living told you that you could. It's not going to happen, gang. I'm telling you, you have to be able to see the bottom when you're tuning in your machine. It makes all the difference in the world. Gang, we got about 15 minutes. If you're thinking of getting a question in here, we got quite a few of them. If you want a chance to win, Kelly's going to come in and pick one person. Also, she's sitting in the other room listening. So she may have already picked somebody. She liked her question. I know whose question she likes the most already because of her favorite kind of fish to fish for. All right. Let's see. What do we got here? We got someone that sent Kelly a few messages. I don't see their name anywhere. I'm looking. I don't see their name. Hey, Captain Dave, this is, oh, Rick from, maybe if I read the damn message. Rick from Orange, can you tell me what the difference are between the different types of Southern California tuna, also a yellowtail, a tuna, or a different species. All right. This is a good one. I play that game over on uh, social media where I put up pictures. Listen, I'm going to give you all that watch me little inside information on what's going on on my social media post. Okay. I get paid by the comments. I get paid by the views. Every word that comes out of my mouth is coming out of my mouth for a reason, to get a reaction. If you think for one second that I don't know what kind of fish it is that I'm posting, if you think for one second that I don't know how to tie up the boat, if you think for one second I don't know my left from my right or starboard from port or bow from stern, then you're missing out on what's going on here. Everything you hear me say is being said for a reaction. I need a comment. I need a view. If I don't get a comment and a view, there's no reason for me to post any of these videos. I don't spend all that money every day posting all these videos and paying Elliot to edit them and everything just because I like posting stuff on there. I do it because that's how we make our living. That's, we are 100% retired. We have a beautiful fishing website that we have a phenomenal amount of humans on. But my posts on social media gang are done for one reason, for a reaction. I need a bite. It's just like chum in the waters. We're getting bites. A yellowtail is a jack. I know that. You know that. 
So many people get so angry and they want to take me out behind the wood pile and beat my butt because I don't know what, what kind of fish I'm posting. It's so funny. And they go on for miles and miles and miles. People want to tell me a yellowtail is a jack, like a Jack Crevalli or a Spanish jack or uh, amber jack or a rainbow runner. They're jack. It's a jack. It's a jack. It's a jack. Like that's what it is. Green jacks, all kinds of jacks. We know that. I say it's a yellowtail tuna. Because cha-ching. When I say it's a yellowtail tuna, my gosh, the whole world explodes. People come out of the woodwork from all over the world to let me know that I don't know what I'm talking about. We catch four different types of tuna in Southern California all the time. Now, one's been missing from the... One's been missing for a while. It's going to come back, hopefully in our lifetime. The albacore, that's a tuna. That's a long fin tuna, white meat tuna. Okay. The other tuna is a skipjack tuna. I know what a skipjack is. I know that post had a lot of people going bananas. But it's a game and I'm playing it and I'm playing it to win. Okay. The other tuna is a yellow fin tuna. And the other tuna is a bluefin tuna. Now, years, years, years ago, we had some big-eyed tuna that showed up. They could come this year. We don't really catch them that often. They catch them way offshore. We don't catch them that often. But if we want to throw that in the mix, there's five different tuna that come into Southern California. So we don't want to leave out the big-eye. The big-eye and the little yellowfin tuna, the only way you can tell the difference between a big eye tuna and a baby yellowfin tuna is you got to cut them open and look at their liver. And the big eye tuna has a serrated liver. The, the way that it looks, they call it serrated. Okay, that's the difference. Yellowfin tuna and bluefin tuna, I put out that little video yesterday that explains to you. We call in the industry, guys that have been doing it for a long time, we call the bluefin tuna a crew cut. Because albacore, yellowfin, bluefin, those are our three that we catch all the time. We catch skipjack, but not as often. But we call a bluefin a crew cut because his, pe his peck fin is very, very short compared to the other two tuna. Yellowfin tuna, you can flip that fin up and touch their eye. That's a yellowfin. Albacore is going to go almost the whole length of the body of the fish. From the head down to almost to the tail, that's an albacore. They look like a little flying fish in the water when they're swimming. They, ee, ee, they put out their fins. They're, they're kind of cool to see. And a lot of you have never even seen a live one. I understand that. They've been missing from our bite. But there's easy ways to tell the difference. One thing you have to remember, gang, a lot of my information is dead right on. You got to be able to understand when I put out something like, oh, look at this nice yellowtail tuna we caught. Boop, boop, boop. You got to understand that's a reactionary bite, just like fishing largemouth bass. I'm throwing out the lure and I'm hoping one of you eat it. And if I throw out yellowtail tuna, we get so many bites. It's incredible. It's wide open, full speed. You can't comprehend I'm a phenomenal manipulator of the internet. I've been doing it for a long time. It works very, very flawless. I used to do it on a website called Bloody Decks, where we would make people's heads explode and they would go after and they'd call and make death threats and do all kinds. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But now you know what I'm doing.
Now you understand. Those of you on the internet, leave a comment. Leave some comments. You want to be a part of this? Get in there and leave comments about these different things. When you see me, leave a comment about something that we all know what the name is. You say it's some gobbledygook thing and watch. The people will go absolutely bananas. Their heads will explode. They, I don't know why it triggers them so bad, but they don't care about a sea lion attacking their children. But oh boy, don't call a yellow tail a tuna. <whistles> Holy moly guacamole. Like I told you, the world's gone mad. The world has gone mad. But that's what we're doing when we're doing those kind of things. And hopefully that kind of told you a little bit about what I was just talking about. Okay, so Dave Hill, how are you, sir? Yes, I'm down here in your happy place. Hello, sir. What is the best spiking the fish or bleed it? And what should we do to take care of the marlin down in Cabo? What I... The problem down here in Cabo is that most of the guys don't have the, like when you fish on a ponga or you fish on the small cruisers, they don't have a knife to cut that fish's head off, to cut the gill, to cut the bill off. If you can get the bill off and the tail off and get that carcass, get that uh, body on ice in their ice bag or in their ice bag, that'll work flawless. You can't cut the fish in half. They, that's against the law. You can cut the bill off. You can cut the tail off. You can get them on the ice that way, Dave. You want to let your guy, your ponga guy know that, hey, we get a marlin, we're keeping it. I'm taking it to the smokehouse. I love marlin. They taste phenomenal. You got a couple of days you're going to be in town. You want to get your marlin first thing, and then you want to get it to the smokehouse and get it cooked up and get it taken care of. But the problem is getting it on ice. Because they, they can't cut that thing. They don't have the proper knife. If they have a hacksaw, good. Cut that bill off. Cut the tail off. Get it on ice as quick as you can. It's going to make it even more better. Striped marlin tastes great. They taste just like fish. You're not going to save the planet Earth if you throw back a striped marlin. And 99.9% .9 of the ones you guys are catching are dead anyway. By the time they bring it up and they wrap their body around it, take a picture... I love it when they have them laid across all their bellies and they take a picture and then they, they have to like peel the fish off of them and they throw it back in the water. They took all the protective slime off. He may slither away a little bit, but he's going straight as he's swimming like this. He's going straight to the bottom and becoming a mud dart. You just threw back food. You threw back food because you thought you were going to make the world a better place to live because you didn't take home a striped marlin, which is food. And they taste wonderful. They taste just like fish. Everyone I've ever eaten tasted like fish. That's probably the best way. I can go off on that one. We could have an hour-long show just about that. Okay, John Rowe again. Can you explain the different frequencies on the fish finder? Yes. 90% of the fish finders we we use, old school guys, we didn't spend a lot of money. We don't have a lot of stuff. Is You got the 50 and the 200. The 200 is a super narrow beam going all the way down, super narrow. You don't want to run your fish finder on 200. You want to run it on 50. It opens it up. It gives you a bigger look, a better look, cleans it up, makes it better, more better, more better. It makes it a bitchiner look, a better look. And then as you get into the high end and the low free, or the the low and the high and the, and the what do they call it, the tweak or the, Oh, 
there's so many different fish finders today and things are getting so much better. But most of us that have the basics, they have the 200 or the 50. 50 is what you want to run on all the time. It's going to give you a much better look. If you need a deeper into it. Oh, chirp, not tweak, chirp. The chirp, high frequency chirp. That's going to give you a little bit cleaner look at those tunas. But I think that on the 50, I'm going to get a much better, cleaner look, bigger look, wider angle, better. I want to be wider. I want to see more of the water if I don't have a sonar. So I'm going to run it at 50. And if you don't have 50, then you're going to run it at 83 is what those new chirps have. I'm going to take off the chirp and I'm going to put it on. But that's just me. You're only asking me. I know you know how to do it way better than me. And I know you're better. And make sure you leave that comment and let us know how much better you are at running the fish finder than I am. Right, Marley? Marley, are you having fun, buddy? Marley, 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 Marley. Yeah, so the 200 is too skinny of a beam. Okay, Captain Dave, this is Brian. Can you tell me the man's name you talked about a month or so back that builds the custom bait tanks? I'm building a new boat and I need a bait tank that's not junk like the ones everyone is trying to pawn off on me. Yeah, no one pays me to talk about them on, their, on my show. So, Brian, the best thing to do, I'm not going to... A lot of people pay a lot of money to be on the show. Akuma pays a lot of money. We talk about Akuma products all the time. Call me or I'll text you after the show and I'll let you know. Gang, we've been talking about this Makaira reel. Gang, Makaira, if you watch my videos of us catching those big yellow fin, big blue fin with the 130 Makairas, these are the 30 wide Makairas. These things work just flawless down here in Cabo for bringing up the marlin. We drag these around. We troll with these. They work flawless. The Makaira series reel is a phenomenal reel. These are made by Akuma. These things work really, really well. They have a great clicker system. They have a phenomenal bearing system in them. The gears are insane, high and low. When you're turning the handle, winding in a fish on these Makaira series reels, it doesn't even feel like you're putting, you're getting any line and then you look down and there's a dead fish laying at the bottom of your feet. You just gaff them and throw them on your boat. I can't tell you enough about how bitching these Makaira series reels are. And I have a whole bunch of them. I can go troll tomorrow on your boat. All my reels are ready to go. Makaira make Akuma makes the Makaira. The Makaira is a phenomenal reel. Go look it up. Check out Akuma.com. Look at the Makaira series reels. You won't be disappointed. And they go all the way up to the 130, which is like a winch. And that's what we use on the wild and sack when we were catching those big bluefin on the kite. The 130 with 200 pound braid and 40 pounds of drag. The Makaira has never let me down. I know you have your preference, but I'm telling you, if you look at these two speed Makairas right here, these things are a work machine. These things will, all day long will catch you your fish all day long. So check them out. They got a couple different colors. They this is the smoke, gun smoke color, and then they got the the uh, they got the gold series. Check out Makaira gang. You, if you need a good trolling reel, that's going to be your go-to. If you need a big reel for fishing that uh, that uh, knife jig or the Carnata jig, the slow pitch jigs, these reels. All day, every day will work perfect at the rail with a good 
quadruple X rail rod from uh, Akuma, the uh, PCH rods, the rail rods. They work phenomenal with these Makaira reels. These things will work all day, every day, catching you exactly what you want. Don't forget Makaira when you're looking for a good reel. All right, gang. You got any more questions? Any more? Any more? Anybody have a burning question? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got one. Hey, Dave, besides talking to the captain and spending patience at the bait tank, what are the five things to be successful on a sport boat? Oh, thank you, Brian. First of all, and I have a video on, the, on my website about being successful on a sport boat. First and foremost, the number one thing you need to do is leave your attitude at home. If you're going on a sport boat and you already know everything, why are you on the sport boat? Leave your attitude at home. You're going out to have a good time. And if you do know a lot, then help other people and sh quit telling everybody what you know. Because the moment you put your line in the water, we'll all know what you know. The moment your line hits the water, everything will be revealed. From today forward, number two, today forward, remember, you caused the tangle. The rent rod did not cause the tangle. The other people on the boat didn't cause the tangle. You caused the tangle. Why? Because you didn't follow your line. When you see somebody else's line touching your line, you need to move. You need to start to move and get away from the other people. You should, line should never... You should. Now, when you're battling a fish, that's different. Because all kinds of stuff happens and you're moving into the crowds and everything. But when you are not hooked up to a fish... You should not be in a tangle, ever. If you are, it's caused by you because you weren't following your line. Next thing, don't bring everything you own when you go out on the... Don't bring a tackle box that's so heavy you can't lift it, that you need a forklift to lift it. When I go fishing, I bring my backpack with a couple bags of hooks, a couple bags, bags of different size sinkers, maybe one or two lures that I love to fish with, but I don't bring a tackle box as big as the tackle store because it's ridiculous. People bring these gigantic, ginormous tackle boxes that you got to have a forklift to lift them on the boat. That's crazy. And they bring 15 rods. Three rods. <laughs> Three. A trolling rod, a heavy bait rod, and a light bait rod. Period. Done. End of story. Or a jig rod. If they have a clue what you're going fishing for first. Now, I'm not talking about going on a 16-day long rain trip where you're going to fish every kind of fish in the ocean. I'm talking about going out on a day trip, going out on the day boat. You don't need 50 rods. You're not going to use them. Bring an extra reel or two in your bag. Have your jig rod, have your bait stick, and have your trolling rod. That's about all you really need. I, mean, I know you want to bring all the crap you bought because you have to justify you bought all that crap because you didn't call me and you're not a member of my website. So you got a bunch of crap you brought on the boat. Start to use courtesy when you're on the, what you guys like to call cattle boat, sport boat. Think of courtesy. Think of all the other people who aren't as smart as you. Try to help. Try to help and try to talk about tipping. If you're, on the boat, and you're on the boat, you go, yeah, I can't wait. Hey, Jim, I'm, you know, hey, here, 
I always, when I tip, I hold it up and I go, hey, here's 20 bucks for you guys. I make sure that everybody on the boat sees that I'm tipping. Not because I want everyone to know, oh, Captain Dave, tip. No, because I want the other people that don't know about it to tip because I care about the crew. That's like when we were in Hawaii. Kelly and I went on a tour boat. At the end of the trip, I'm all, hey, where do we put the tip? As I'm stepping off the boat, I'm real loud. I'm not doing that because I want them to know that I tip. I'm doing that because I want the people that don't know to tip to understand that it's okay to tip because these guys are working very, very hard. And the fifth thing is whatever you did last time, it's probably not going to work this time. So pay attention to what's going on. I know you said besides that, the captain and his deckhands are the only ones on the boat that really know what's going on. They're the only ones. They had a meeting. They had a meeting in the morning, came down. He's like talking to his first deck, talking to his cook, talking to his crew saying, hey, today we're going fishing. At the I know we were fishing bluefin offshore the last four days, but today we're fishing the Coronados or vice versa or reverse vice or whatever. They're the only ones that really know what's going on. So talk to them and listen. Whatever you did last time you were on the boat, today is totally different. It's a different time. It's a different trip. It's a different boat. It's a different attitude. It's a different load of people. And remember, everything from this point forward matters. It all matters. You want to make sure that you're taking a little bit of time out of your busy day to, like you said, to be patient, to be ready, to listen. Hey, Cubby, Paul, love you, man. Your message just came through. Oh, Benita Aratuna. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Benita Aratuna. So if we got six tuna that live here. Benita is a tuna. Benita is probably the best eating. My son's very most favorite. I love Benita. I love them way more than yellowfin or bluefin. Nothing better than a nice tuna steak or Benita steak baked in the oven, then flaked off into a bowl with some Miracle Whip and some pickle relish and Oh, get out of the way. That's one of the very best tuna fish sandwiches in the whole world. I don't know why I left out Bonita. I love Bonita. They are phenomenal. I love Bonita. Bonita's a great tuna. Why did I leave those out? Thank you very much for letting me know. And Brian, that was a phenomenal question. Thank you very, very much. And Tim, hello, hello, hello. Sorry I'm late to the show. Do you think the Dorado will be here in July like they were last year? Yeah, absolutely. I think in the next week and a half, you're going to see a phenomenal change. I'd say by the 15th of July, you're going to start to see some Dorado in the fish counts. You're going to see more and more yellowfin in the fish counts. You're going to see more and more yellowtail at the islands in the fish counts. I think everything is started a little bit late this year because of weather, but we have the biggest El Nino push we've ever seen in the history of California coming this year. I think it's going to be incredible. It's going to go well into Christmas. Well, well into Christmas. So those of you that are out there driving around, spending all your money, driving around, trying to catch something that wasn't there for the last two months. Remember, I was talking about this and I was telling you to, to be patient and hang on because everything's about to happen. And. Uh, oh, OK, yep. One more. If you got another question, gang, we got a few minutes. I'm going to answer this question. And if you got another question, send it in. I'll answer it as fast as I can. But uh, as far as what do I think, 
you need on your private boat more than anything is a really good pair of binoculars. We had Jimmy Kingsmill on the show a couple months ago talking about if you don't have a good pair of binoculars on your boat, you're fishing, you're spending your whole day fishing for boats. I don't care if you're in Florida, New York, the Gulf of Mexico, Texas, California, Cabo. And down here in Cabo, their favorite thing to do is fish for boats. Everybody fishes for each other all day. But if you have a pair of good binoculars, you're going to start fishing for fish and you're going to stop fishing for boats. It's going to change how you go about the whole thing. Binoculars are probably the most important thing. I've been asked many times in many interviews and many podcasts, Captain Dave, if you had a choice between your sonar and your gyro-stabilizing binoculars. I'll take the gyro-stabilizing binoculars all day, every day over the sonar. Yep, because I want to be able to see. I have to be able to see. It matters so much. Anything. What am I looking for when I'm looking in the gyros? Think that's a good question. Anything that's not water. Anything that's not water can be a fish. Anything that's not water. All right? So that's going to sum up our show for today. Thank you all very, very much. Bunch of great questions. Kelly, girl. Well, Kelly, girl's not here to pick the winner. So Robert Lee, you won the T-shirt. Send me, send me your address, Robert. And if you already won a shirt, I don't see. Kelly, girl doesn't have your address here. Doesn't see it on the phone. So if you already won a shirt then you got another shirt. But Robert Lee, you won the shirt today. Good job. Thanks for the question. Let us know. Send us your address and the size of your shirt, and we'll send that shirt to you immediately. Everybody, thank you very much. Tomorrow, hopefully Kelly Girl joins us. It's all up to me. It's going to depend on how I act tonight. So if you don't see Kelly Girl with us tomorrow, it's because I was an a-hole. And if you do see her, it's because I was a good boy. All right. Thank you, everybody. See ya. Adios. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. See you later. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight, Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.